This is the monthly sobriety anniversary celebration at We Agnostics Kansas City. This was recorded on January 25th, 2018. We were celebrating the three-year anniversary of Marty Kay and the 30-year anniversary of Julie Kay. Let's get started. Nice, quiet moment there. Uh, first announcement, we have water available right here. The water's turned off uh, in the building. You can, you can use the toilets, but they don't flash. So fill them up. The country western song. That's the, that's the situation. Welcome to We Agnostics, an agnostics, atheists, and free thinkers meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Wes, and I'm an alcoholic. This is a closed meeting of AA. I've asked John to read the AA preamble. Open meeting. It's an open meeting. My bad. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Hey, John. <laughs> Agnostic AA meetings maintain a tradition of free expression where all are free to express any doubt or disbelief that they may have and to share their own personal form of spiritual experience, their search for it, or their rejection of it. In keeping with AA tradition, we neither endorse nor oppose any form of religion or atheism. Our only wish is to ensure that anyone with a desire to stop drinking may find support in AA without having to accept anyone else's beliefs or to deny his or her own. Is anyone here for their very first AA meeting? Oh my goodness. Ah. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm Irving. I'm Is this anyone's first time at this group, or is anyone visiting? Is this the first time? Yeah, well, you can have a call, but you're visiting. I'm visiting. I'm Doris. You move. Hi, Doris. Doris. Hi, Doris. I'm here. Doris is talking. Doris is talking. Welcome, Doris. Thank you. Welcome, Doris. We recognize continuous periods of sobriety, and uh, we are celebrating two big ones tonight, but uh, first, is anyone celebrating 24 hours? Any number of months? Any number of years other than 3 and 30? <laughs> okay, then. Well, guys, I'm so glad we have a big group. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic night because we have two speakers. We have uh, Marty. Uh, celebrating three years of sobriety and Julie celebrating 30 years. Um, I believe each of them are ready to say some amazing things and blow us away, right? Yes. Oh, you got it. Okay. We'll have the child go first here. So, uh, uh, may it please the court, Sean. <laughs> you don't have to talk right into it. Okay. Uh, my name's Marty, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Marty. Uh, thank you, uh, Wes, for those kind words, and congratulations to you, too. So, Thank you. Let's see if we apportion the time accordingly. Three and thirty. I'll take about two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, 
I've done this a few times over the years, uh, have given a talk at various stages of sobriety. I had about 11 years at one time. I had five one time. Uh, I've had a couple of years. Uh, so uh, I've been going to AA now for 30 some years. I went to uh, Valley Hope in 1986 when my then wife decided that it was time for me to go. Literally came by my law office and drug me out, put me in a car and drove me there. So uh, when I thought that the world could not survive, nor could my law practice possibly survive with me being gone, <laughs> but somehow it did. But uh, but no, I, I I feel this is a real honor tonight to uh, say a few words. Uh, I hope they're of some value to somebody. I was thinking today what I might say in my kind of habit of when I when I talk or whatever. I like to make a few notes, but. Um, I thought mainly, you know, I need to be as honest as I can and as um, to express some gratitude for my sobriety and, and maybe leave something that somebody might find of value. Um, I, I'm quite a believer that uh, one of the great functions of our group is to share our, our experience, strength, and hope. So the format is usually one of, you know, what it used to be like, what happened, and how's it like now. I'm not going to say too much about what it used to be like. I've spoken a couple times before at my first two anniversaries about my my drinking, my alcoholism. You know, pretty low, pretty low key, really, in terms of things. Uh, I was mainly a party boy drinker. Uh, I had this idea that I didn't really harm anybody. I just drank a little too much on occasions, and I God well deserved it because I worked hard and was an achiever and uh, had done a lot of things in my life that most people would look at and say, "Well, you're you're a pretty successful guy. You you can't be you can't be the victim of some disease which renders you powerless." I had gone to school, college, law school been in the Marine Corps for a while, been a prosecuting attorney, an assistant prosecuting attorney, tried a lot of cases, went into private practice, did pretty well, had a nice house in Oberlin Park, two children, never missed a, a bill, never missed a car payment. I had financial uh, cash register honesty, but uh, boy, I just became um, you know, a soulless person uh, who my disease, I don't know when I crossed the line into alcoholism. I really don't, but I sure as hell did at various times when I became just ruled by uh, self-centeredness and couldn't quit drinking and was very deceptive. I had a denial system that was that was very well honed because of the successes I had, the, the, you know, the financial, the material things that I for years used that to avoiding help. Until I got so bad, and it was coupled with uh, cocaine use in the 80s, I was just a, uh, a vast, you know, pit of despair and hopelessness. And uh, But anyway, I, I've been at AA over the years. I got into it. I struggled with it. Uh, what brought me to this particular group, which has really saved my bacon, was this, this journey for me when I first started in AA. Uh, I... I was a, a, I thought, a, a conventional a believer. God, I grew up in a Christian home. It was not shoved down my throat, but I got into the program, and immediately I, immediately I started fighting this concept of God because I never had been a strong believer, but I didn't really care enough as long as I was drinking and partying and having a good time in my life, and everybody be damned, including my wife and two children. 
I never gave it a thought much about God or anything. So when I got into AA, you, you did have to, in doing the steps, I had to pay some attention to that concept. And at first, I tried to adopt the conventional meaning of God. I found out pretty soon that didn't work for me. I then got to the point in the AA program, and this was years, in and out, but that God thing was always the hang-up for me. Uh, I got to the next step in my journey that it was the God of, of as we understood him. I thought, well, that's it. That is the key, and I'm going to latch on to that. Well, I still thought, well, it talks about God and him. It's kind of the same God, isn't it? It's just how I personally think of that same God you think of. But that didn't work for me either, because at core, I came to the older I got. I was, I was firm in my belief that I did not believe in a theistic you know, God, a supernatural being that had a personal relationship with with me that guided my behavior that I could preach to and have con I didn't believe that. I tried, I didn't believe. So the next part of my journey was this last time I came into the program three years ago after a particularly bad evening of drinking, uh, which I passed out, a car about ran over me, I mean all kinds of the door smashed my face, broke my teeth. Uh, got an AA again. I'm not going to say that was some compelling moment. Oh, this is it. You've got to get sober. But yeah, I got to get to AA and quit drinking. Mm -hmm. But this time, I, I've I've stayed sober three years, and and I feel much better in, in this sobriety that I, I I feel. And it's mainly because I'm more comfortable with my belief system. And when I found this group. After about 30 days of sobriety, it, it's it's really made all the difference in the world. Because in this group, I finally got to the point where I was able to look at all the, the steps of, of, of the 12-step program, which which I had the, I feel like I was raised in that 12-step mm -hmm. program. So it's, it became important to me, whether it was ritual or dogma or what I don't know. But I continued to look at those steps. But this program has allowed me to have my own interpretation and I feel free in the way in which I've looked at the steps and, and have tried to live them as feebly uh, and as frailly as that's been. And again, the spirituality thing. Now, from all those steps I told you about with God, I think this time I'm at the point where, not my words, but I now look at step three and God is, instead of as we understood him, it's a God of my understanding. And a God, again, in quotation marks, God being metaphor for higher power. And uh, I have felt really comfortable this time to be true to my own self, as it says on the on the coin that I've got in my pocket. And in this program, too, I, I have discovered a great deal of literature that uh, mm -hmm. that I resonate with. I love to read. A lot of my life and being is directed by reading and literature. I identify with literature. Mm -hmm. Um so I found a wealth of, of reading in, through this program that I had no idea was there. And uh, we used to have a bunch of books around when I first came here. Mm -hmm. And that really was good for me that I discovered there's different 12 steps. There's the Buddhist 12 mm -hmm. steps. There's this. There's that. Some wonderful books uh, that really helped me to be comfortable with finding my program and to practice some type of spirituality. I... I grew up in so many of these old traditional meetings over the years where the spiritual thing, mm -hmm. it went from religion to spirituality, that I, I saw people who had really good programs, and they were spiritual in a sense, mm -hmm. not religious, but people who seemed to be 
calm, serene, non-judgmental, and who were genuinely kind and compassionate with other human beings. So I thought, well, you know, that must be a key to this staying sober thing. You know, it's not just about being a goody two-shoes person, but there must be something fulfilling about that enough that it maybe that diminishes the crave to drink. Because I finally figured out through this program and getting honest that my drinking was, was a coping mechanism for me leading that terribly irresponsible, selfish, immature life that I led. Tricking myself all the time that I was just a, a guy that was just drinking a little too much at times. And uh, it's through that that I really came in this particular program to, uh, to feel comfortable and, and I think get some, some pretty good sobriety going. Uh, it's funny, I, I kind of look at it like on, on the road to secular uh, sobriety, I, I came across real spirituality. And as funny as that seems and, and ironic, but that's exactly what happened to me. And it was good when I came to this meeting, kind of an irony too, a bit of a paradise, is that there's a lot of intellectualism in this group meeting, and there's there's a, a lot of talk. I have heard over the years many people show, oh, I, I don't get spirituality, I don't know what it is, and I don't need it. And as I've learned in the program, you know, listen to that. And I, it's not just disagreeing, but well, what's my answer to that? How do, how do I react to that? And for me, it's really has compelled me to to confirm some uh, type of spirituality that I that I think I've adhered to. And I, I love the steps. And it's funny, though, in this agnostic group, I've, I've forced myself to look at those steps and the spirituality more than ever. <laughs> But I believe in those principles that if I'm going to stay sober, uh, this isn't just about getting sober so that Marty's in good health and I can concentrate more and be a better dad or, or a husband. I've got to be happy with me. The reason I drank, I know, was I was not happy with Marty. I despised him. And I didn't have the guts or the courage or the means to break that habit of drinking and uh, just continually relying upon alcohol to furnish what I thought was what I needed. So um, I have come to, to, and I try to hone down my, my spiritual beliefs because I, I'm, all, I'm a bit afraid that, you know, it's not like I've gone from being an atheist to some kind of a holy person. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not, and that would not the case at all, but I definitely believe there's a real need for me to have some spiritual practice which is, to me, at the core of it is what kind of integrity and honesty and compassion do I have in my dealings with other human beings in my life, and in particular, those people who are the closest to me? That's it. That That's just as spiritual as I can get. And it's just, you know, unconditional love, which is so difficult. Uh, you know, self-honesty, if I don't have that, I have nothing. It's the first step, me admitting I'm powerless. I have to ha develop, and, and I've had to work on having gratitude. Uh, I was sober for years, and I never appreciated the value of my sobriety. And I think this time around, I... I have developed some gratitude. And it really, it started out that first year. I'd have to get up every morning and really tell myself, like I was talking to a uh, some other third person, you are grateful today. <laughs> you do have gratitude today that you're sober. And if somebody would walk in the room, they'd say, who the hell are you talking to? But I'd have to do it. And I still have to remind myself, because I don't have a deity to pray. I can get it why gods are so 
vital to society. They're so comfortable to God give me, God forgive me, God thank you. And how do you fill that void? Well, there is ways to fill that void. I, I don't have to be grateful to an object. I can just be damn grateful, you know, and I'm comfortable with that. But I need to I need to behave on that that feeling too. You know, faith without works is dead. And I, I believe that. And I'm starting to finally get just how valuable service can be. Reaching out and helping others. Because at the core of my disease is this is this selfish, self centeredness wrapped in this package of fear that I will be discovered. So one of the ways that I've learned to get out of that is is through helping other people. It doesn't have to be magnanimous or great. It can just be as simple as a phone call or any. It doesn't have to be related to AA. But I think the people that started this program, they really had some great ideas. Where, uh, I got so I disdain that because of the Judeo-Christian emphasis in the steps. I've come to read a great deal about uh, Bill Wilson, and it's it's ironic again. I like to read biographies, but it, it's true with him as it is everybody else. I've come to really respect and admire. The more you study these people, the more you read about them, you find out how flawed and imperfect <laughs> they were as people. But wow, what a wonderful message that I can be imperfect and flawed and incomplete. And out of that, you know, have some growth and hope myself of getting better. And this group, this has allowed me that change of gear, that change of pace that I've really this time been able to take a look at and feel like I'm okay, um, that I, uh, that I'm, I'm approved by people in that regard and I'm comfortable because I guess I'm just sensitive enough to want approval and friends that, that I need that somewhat. So, but, uh, anyway, that's pretty much been my journey this time. So, um, I thank all of you for being here. Uh, it's this fellowship that has been of immense help to me. This is not just an intellectual journey. If I've made it sound like that, it, it sure as hell is not. Uh, but, uh, and I, I have next, I hope next year, if I'm sober and clean, I have no doubt I, I will have changed some more. I'm always changing, but the change is good. I'm a big believer that this program is about spiritual progress, not perfection. But I also have come to find out if I don't have progress, I'm standing still and going backwards. So there needs to damn well be some, some progress. That's not the alternative. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm not going forward and I got to keep moving forward in this thing or this thing will consume. It consume. I've dropped out several times over the years where I've gotten bored, felt like I could have a drink. I didn't need the program anymore. I'd heard all the shit I wanted to hear. And it's a guarantee sooner or later, I'm going to be back drinking and right back where I was. So progress of some kind is not an alternative. I need to keep moving forward. So, and I do that in great part by uh, you people being here. So I love you all. Thank you very much. Allow me to share tonight. It's hard to imagine a better pair to uh, to record, right? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, real fast, I just want to say, I was thinking of uh, three years, 30 years. I have 11 months. And, and see that pat on the back? What I was going to say is this group does not have any sort of structural hierarchy built into it. Uh, I have been to groups where 
uh, you're not allowed to, to leave unless you have a certain amount of time. And those with those with 30 years look down upon uh, everyone. But we don't. But we we don't have we don't have that here. Uh, and um, so we shall continue with Julie. And one more thing, she mentioned that 30 for her for some reason is extremely special. I said, what about 20? What about, what about 10? Uh, but 30, take it away. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My name is Julie. I'm an alcoholic. First of all, as a matter of business, why don't you, I brought that cookie, cut it up and put it on napkins and eat it. I know you guys like to do that. Twenty-seven pieces. <laughs> cut it in small pieces. <laughs> I'm also grateful that this is an open meeting so that I could bring my spouse Anita. And we have been together for 17 years, although we've known each other since we we're in our early 20s. So she knew me and saw me when I was at my worst and drinking. And so, anyway, I just wanted to say that. Mine's a little different. It's got a lot of the same things you said. I agree on, you know, you're going to see the similarities. I want to start by drawing a picture of you of how I, how I developed alcoholism. I've talked before, but I always do it off the cuff, and I never can get focused and say the things I want, so papers. Anyway, and then I'll talk about my sobriety and how I did that. In the early 70s, I was married, living in Michigan, and pregnant, and I suddenly realized that I was gay. And here I was pregnant, I thought, what am I going to do? I couldn't sleep at night, I was a mess. And so my obstetrician said, well, you can't take sleeping medicine, but have one or two drinks every night. <laughs> that began my process of using alcohol to cope. Can you believe it? Then by 1975, I divorced my husband. I brought my son. By, I had a son. Brought him with me back to Kansas City. I grew up here. Uh, I was raised Catholic. My father was a dentist, so we had a really comfortable life. And I married a doctor, and I had a comfortable life with him. But then when I came back to Kansas City, I was raising my son alone with no help, no emotional help or, or no emotional comfort or help from my family. And so that was really difficult. And I had a lot of guilt for leaving my husband and I had a lot of internalized homophobia. Therefore, by the late 70s, my drinking was increasing. It was a way for me to cope with my self-hate. Throughout my drinking years, I had, I was a nurse and so I, this will explain I was able to get uh, prescription tranquilizers. And so I could drink a lot on the weekend. I could drink a lot at night and get up early. But I always had a tranquilizer where it would kind of just ease me through the day, where I wouldn't have any shakes or anything. And that worked for a long time. I changed jobs. I changed relationships. And as my drinking escalated during this time, my self-esteem just plummeted. It really did. At least to the to the point that in I, in the eighties, early eighties, I ended up in an abusive relationship. And 
<clears throat> that's how low I was. I had the wherewithal to send my son to live with his father, but I stayed in that relationship for two more years. And my drinking increased when this was happening. At times, I'd become scared for my safety, and I would just try to stop drinking unsuccessfully. You know, I realized quickly I couldn't do that unsuccessfully. In 19, this is my little saga. In 1985, I was in a bad auto accident and I had a severe head injury. I couldn't work for uh, well over a year. And again, I just, I can, I could, my son still wasn't with me. It was pretty, a couple of years after I sent him to his dad. I could drink then 24 hours a day and I did. You know, and with a head injury, that was probably the worst thing I could have done. But nobody knew. My family didn't know how ill I was. I won't get on with that. That's where I tend to ramble. But anyway, my self-esteem was shot. And I knew I couldn't go on like this. I had to do something. In 1987, two years later, I saw a friend who really had, she'd been a binge drinker and she'd, you know, a really difficult person to be around. And suddenly she had her act together. And I said, what happened? And she said, I started going to AA. And I thought, I thought, wow, maybe that's an option for me. So I started thinking about it then. I, she told me about the meetings. She told me about the big book. I went and got a big book. I went, I found out where central office was. It was on Broadway. So it was close to here. Got a big book, put it on my nightstand. And every night I would sit and drink scotch. After my son went to bed, I'd go in and drink scotch until I passed out. Reading the big book. I, I forgot that part. Reading the big book. Uh, I can't, I don't know if I, I read all the way through it. It took months, but I don't remember anything. I never had the story seemed nice. That's all I remember. <laughs> I even went with her, this woman that told me about this, the AA program, I even went with her to a meeting, but I had two drinks before I went, and it was to the group that became my home group, but I think about that now, and I, I must have reeked. I drank scotch, and I was just trying not to say anything so it wouldn't come out of my mouth. But months later, after that, you know, I finally realized maybe I would give AA a try. I was desperate to have a change. I was desperate because of things with my son that I was doing. I just had to change my life. 30 years is hard to synopsize, but I've got, so bear with me. I've tried, I've tried, things aren't going to be chronological, but I do talk about things, I talk about different issues. And so I'll be going back and forth. I got, I went, I planned on getting sober on January 1st, 1988. I finally got there on January 6th. I knew I found out it was a gay group called Live and Let Live, and it was at 31st and McGee. Now, in 19, early 88, it was a seedy area, to say the least. It was, you know, we would have people come off the street just to get warm, to drink coffee. You know, I, I will never forget that day, never forget how I felt when I got to that building. I was just um, <laughs> getting them. I was just so thinking that this is going to be the chance I'm going to change my life, and I was shaking. I I got to the door and I thought I've got to go in there, 
And I did, and I didn't know anybody. And there was a huge room. There was 30 or 40 people there at least, and it was a big circle. And uh, I was nervous. And so I don't remember what I said. I just told them my name and that I was an alcoholic. I don't think they had did a first step with me, and I don't remember what they even talked about. I just was scared to death, and I did exactly what I was told to do. I wanted to be a good alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic. I wanted to get it right. And I just remember I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. I found a sponsor. I worked the steps in traditional AA. And I was like a sponge at the meetings. I would just take in everything people said. I was just, it was just all so in sight. I just couldn't believe the things they were saying. I would just soak it all up. When I went home, I would just, everything was AA. I'd read AA. I'd go to work and then I'd go home and read about AA instead of drinking. I just became a little like AA robot. <laughs> I did exactly what I was to do and I was just real kind of rigid with the way I did it. Although I did not get down on my knees to pray. <clears throat> I had enough of that growing up. And I'll talk more about that in a while. But during this time, my biggest fear was a relapse. I felt uh, like something out of my control. It wouldn't be intentional. It would be out of my control. Something would get me and cause me to drink. And I was, my entire first year, I feared a relapse. It got better, but I had one motivator that kept me kind of on the straight and narrow, and that was my son. I would... He would come to meetings when I would get coins, speaker meetings. He would always be there supporting me. But I looked at him and I thought, I will, you know, I didn't ever, ever, ever want to let him down again or do the crap I did to him. That kept me just thinking straight ahead. I thought, I've got to stay in this program. I've got to do this. I was desperate. Finally, in sobriety, I found one nice thing. I found like, I had a really, the less I drank, it had an inverse effect on my self-esteem. I really began to accept myself for who I was. It helped that I went to a gay AA group because everybody there understood my experience. And Kansas City and the country was very different there about gays. It was, uh, it was really discriminated against. And so it was nice to have this group. Susan knew about that group. She, we were in some of those meetings together. But it was nice to have this group that I could feel like I could, you know, I didn't have any more secrets with them. I know I could be who I was. And that really was helpful. I was there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, it, yes, that was a good group. Still there. There's fewer people. I don't know how much the need is anymore about because we're accepted. Hmm? About that same time. Was it? Well, not that. Part of this, uh, you'll hear part of this, maybe you'll remember what I'm going to be talking about. I met somebody when I first what came in, and he had been there a couple of days before me, and he was such an inspiration to me. We went and got our coins together. We would walk down that aisle and, and to speaker meetings and get our coins together. Uh, after, And we did that without all for our first year. During our second year, he developed AIDS. Mm -hmm. He was uh, put in the hospital for insertion of a central line, which in today's terms, you know, people talk about porta cats. It's, yeah. It was the earlier version of that. I worked at that hospital 
and he was on my floor, and so that was nice. We had a long, we had a lot of long talk. It became apparent he developed one complication after another from that central line insertion. I just, it was hard to believe and watch. <clears throat> but he, we would sit and talk for a long time about life, about AA, about our programs. You know, because we were both so new and we were both so into it, you know, and together we we just fed off each other. And he also, we talked about his death. And um, he often talked, but the reason I'm bringing him up, he often talked about how grateful he was that he, even if it was just a, about a year and a half, that he had the AA program because it helped him embrace his dying. And he honestly was so, and he, he, one thing he wanted was to turn 40 and he didn't make it, but that's how young he was. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, and it was really sad. And after that point in time for my, our two year birthday, he wasn't there. And, uh, I also wasn't going to meetings much. And I'll tell you why. But, and so I would go to, Live and let live on right around my birthday and pick up a coin, or I'd go to Unity and do the same thing. And then I thought, these people are being so nice; they're giving me these coins, and I'm just going for a meeting to pick it up. And I thought, I can't do this, so I found a place online where I could design and create my own. I did. It was, you know, this. <laughs> It's 1990. I'm there and I'm ordering these coins and I'm doing them five years. And that's why when you said 10 year coin, <laughs> that was probably once I had sent to myself. <laughs> we didn't celebrate, you know, it wasn't the same thing. Hello. <laughs> so I, you know, that really kind of helped me at least celebrate for myself when I wasn't going to meetings. <laughs> Some difficulties I've had with AA. These these started at the very beginning. I the religiosity was real difficult for me. My first year, I saw, I immediately told them when I came in. I said I don't believe in God, and they said, "Fine, fine. You just use the group as your higher power. Fine." And I thought, "Okay, good." <laughs> and I sailed through, and I was doing that, and I was doing the steps and everything, and I wasn't. I was ignoring the God word in there. <laughs> I was just ignoring it. But it worked for the first year, but then I started getting pressure from the people that I had to find God now. I couldn't do it. I had and to stay sober and to have any kind of sobriety. I needed to find God. I even went back to the Catholic Church. And that was, <clears throat> and trying to find this God, I, I left there shortly there after I was there. I was there maybe a month. And their teachings about divorce and then gays. I thought, boy, I'm fit both of those by. <laughs> that was a mutual, a mutual goodbye. <laughs> Another difficulty that I had with it at that time is after I, I quit smoking after my first year. And all the meetings back then, Tom, you'll remember, were smoking meetings. And they were in rooms, and it was, and everybody who came to AA that was a smoker became a chain smoker when they quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And so that became, you know, it, it became a real 
deal breaker for me. And I would try to go back every once in a while and see if anything changed. And they'd get these different machines and it just, it, it didn't, it, or they'd draw a line down the room. You for sure. Yeah. You know, an area assembly this weekend in Sedalia, I was talking to somebody who had been there at the same time I was. John heard this conversation and I said, yeah, I just couldn't keep going to meetings because of the smoking. It was a deal breaker for me. And she said, all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. She said, you are the one that tried to turn the six o'clock meetings into non-smoking. And I said, yes, <laughs> unsuccessfully. <laughs> but, you know, and so and it was, it was, it, you know, I, I'm so grateful the way they are now. Now, fast forward. Are you going? <laughs> you know that's in my other pants. I put my money out. I've got some of my, my coin and my two dollars. <laughs> God. In the nineties, I made some moves because of uh, my education and professional advancement and two more to large cities and in each city I could call and find the gay AA group and I immediately had a connection with that city and made friends and I would start going there and I would it would always come to the same point they would say why aren't you using God in your program and and I would finally just stop going so much but I I also, at that time, I was, you know, I read daily meditation books, none of the, the AA approved ones, but all about the women and about, you know, divorce, whatever. And I began exercising on a regular basis. And then I had a group of alcoholic friends that I'd made at the gay AAs that I could just meet with and meet outside of meetings because I wouldn't go into the meetings. It's that, that was helpful for me. Over time and sobriety, I began to feel strongly that separation of church and state should apply to AA as separation of God and AA. You know, I, I can't see why that doesn't occur. And my discomfort over this God thing just kept me from going to meetings. And I really, and there was always something missing as a result. Four years ago, a friend called me and she said, Julie, uh, so-and-so is in, you know, she's in detox. She's pretty bad. She'll be in Shawnee Mission for about a week or 10 days. And I, and will you sponsor her? I said, well, she'll have to ask me. And I thought, I've got to get my butt out. I've got to start going to Unity <laughs> and finding out their meetings. Cause I, cause she did call me and said, would you? And I said, sure. And so I did. I went, I wanted to introduce her to, uh, Unity. But uh, it was difficult. She was she really relied on God heavily for her program, for the steps, for everything, and uh, to get sober. And this was another thing that helped me really cement and realize that AA, the program, it was important for me, not God, to be accountable for my own sobriety. I have I have had benefits from sobriety in general. First, I was able to rebuild my relationships with my son, my parents, and my uh, siblings. I was able to attend school, and after several years, I got my Ph.D. in nursing, which had always been a dream of mine. I was able to be with my parents during their aging and their deaths, and, and to do that sober is pretty special. 
And I had a long-term relationship of 17 years, and I couldn't have done any of those things had I not been sober, and I recognize that. About three years ago, I came here to this church. I was urged by Anita, and she said, you know, this is the place they don't have any dogma, no doctrine. I said, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe I'll go. (laughs) And I opened up their bulletin, and inside it said, we agnostics, AA meetings, Uh Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it was like I was immediately thrilled. I was going like this to me <laughs> during the service. I I was so excited when I read that. It, it just spoke to me. It resonated with me. And I didn't even know for sure what it was going to be. <laughs> it just seemed the agnostics part really, uh, really spoke to me. And, uh, you know, I was there. I came to the very next meeting. And from, that's when I considered I found my home group from the time I walked in this these rooms, and I don't know if it's probably this room, in fact. I've always been uncomfortable in AA because of the assumption that if you're in AA, you must be Christian. And I've always thought that was unfair. And yes, and Jews and Sikhs, and you know, all these people, Muslims who are overlooked. And uh, so the nice thing is they don't make that assumption in our group. And I appreciate that. Quite the opposite. It it gives us the option for an AA program without God, and that's special for me. I have benefits that I've, I'm almost done, you guys. I'm going to benefits of secular AA. I like you. Once I came, uh, I have rethought and I've kind of developed a different relationship with the steps since I came to secular AA. Even though the steps have always been a framework and a guide for my life. Now the emphasis emphasis is off God, and, I, the, you know, the steps have become more personal for me. And we do have good books. You know, we do, for the new people, we do have some alternative 12 steps and, and things that help you do the steps if you want to that are a little bit easier than the ones that, you know, where God will take away your shortcomings. <laughs> We've all been there. Next, also this this program re-energized my commitment to AA. Uh, I've been mentoring and being mentored because of people in this group. And I have really, for the first time in my life, been done service work at the group district and state level. And I have met people... Many people in traditional AA who have really informed and enriched my program. And I didn't think I would ever say that. You know, I didn't, but at the state level, even district, you know, we've learned some things. I'm also, we're able to educate the, the wider AA community about secular AA, what it is, what it is not, when we're out there talking and we're the only secular group involved at these meetings. And so that's kind of special. Since I have this secular focus, I don't, I'm, like I said, I'm not uncomfortable, I'm not, I don't have the same discomfort about traditional AA. I, I feel like we have more similarities than we have differences. And I didn't feel that way before. And it's, I, I am becoming much more aware of that because of the work I'm doing. 
And finally, finally, <laughs> I really feel fortunate that this fellowship, you know, it really grounds me and it provides me so much insight. And I, I would never have this, you know, I've never had this camaraderie anywhere else that I've been. And so it's really special. And really for that, I am truly grateful. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, we have a little bit of time here for um, comments or questions for our speakers. Any comments? I got. I got. I got to say, I have so much appreciation for both of you. I do remember when we started back, and I've been in and out, in and out, in and out. The last time I came in, I was in pretty bad shape, and I sat next to you, and we both shared that we had. Some severe medical situations in our families that we were going through, and it just really helped me bond in, mm -hmm. in spite of my <laughs> not being too stable at the time. I wasn't drunk. I was, and I'd been through yeah. treat, treat, I mean, I'd been through detox, but um, I was a long time getting back on my feet. So I, I just remember, I will always remember coming back. And it was one of many times I came back. For several, anyway, and uh, that was the one, and, and I really always felt close to you for that. Thank you. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Major. Hey, Major. I'm extremely grateful for this group. I happened to find this group the first day I started studying to talk Greg. Um, you know, it's funny because I just hit the with the website and said if you need meeting day in giant red letters, I just hit it and you know, this is just really close to where I live, so this won't be on there. But um I had no idea that this that secular it's all like literally forty five minutes ago. I had no idea that day. I, just, um, I had no idea this thing and that was mm -hmm. you know uh, the deal. So that was this is I'm extremely grateful for for that. It was interesting though because this this meeting I go to meetings all over the city um, because I'm in that 90 meetings and 90 day phase. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always resisted going to AA meetings because of the hierarchy things that, that I mentioned and because of the, I can't believe you said cocaine. I think it's the first time I've ever heard the word cocaine at an AA meeting. Um, but this meeting has always been very open and accepting and um, comfortable, which I think. It's funny um, as a secular <laughs> in the given thing, but anyway, I just wanted to to say thanks, and um, I'd like to hear more after the meeting on how that things work. So I've worked the steps before, you know, step three, um, asking God to re you know, remove my shortcomings after my character assessments and all the things that are wrong with me, of which there are many. You know, I just I like and my sponsor like me wasn't a big God guy, you know? And I felt like we just kind of fucking half assed it. You know, just going, like, oh, this is stuck this mental thing and we're gonna go with it. We're on the study. Your list of all you know. We know, huh? So it's just 
this is this kind of this kind of been uh, a little bit of a revelation, and you know, I'm worried about next week because I've got a trip coming up, and it's the first time that I'm going to be gone somewhere. I'm going to be with a lot of old business, you know, partners that you know every time we get together has always been a you know a party thing, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know if I should tell them I'm you know trying the recovery thing. Yeah, it's just a very, I just have a lot of anxiety over the whole situation. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of a creature of habit, and I've enjoyed the past 23 days of getting up, going to work, going to a meeting, going to work, coming home, mm-hmm. going to a meeting, going back. So, anyway, I'm dabbling now, so I'm going to shut up. Thank you, though. Thanks, thanks, Major. Thank you, Major. Hey guys, welcome. Hey, I'm Wes. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Wes. I'd like to second what Major said about the, the sort of the qualities of the group. I found this group totally by accident. Totally, totally by accident. I looked online just for a meeting. It said we agnostics, but I figured it was titled that just in reference to the chapter to the agnostic. I didn't realize it was actually agnostic. And I and I came and discovered it was agnostic. I was like, that's a great fit. So I didn't so I didn't have to do any more searching. I just I just I just walked in here drunk and it worked. <laughs> and uh Greg gave me a big hug and from that moment, I mean until now, it's just been pure I mean, what a what a group. Uh Nobody is better than anyone else. Like I said earlier, there's no hi- there's no distinct hierarchy uh, to the group, um, and uh, we, I guess, preach tolerance, right? Mm-hmm. Just just tolerance. Yeah. And um, so, uh, oh, and today's the 25th, so it's my 11 months. Feels so small. That's uh, any more comments, yeah. John? I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, John. Um, boy, it's been a great meeting, and um, I just want to say, I guess it just it just feels great that um, we've been around long enough um, that to see you guys celebrating as many years and mm-hmm. to remember the past anniversaries and so forth is pretty cool. But I also wanted to say something about Julie um, and thank you publicly, I guess, for. Um, helping me as we deal with this crazy stuff at Central Office. I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how I could do it without you, you know, studying me. Um, so thank you for that. You're very welcome. Okay. Thanks, John. Hey, my name's John Ryder. I'm a colleague. Hey, John. John. Welcome. Is the open? It sure is. Yes, okay. I guess I should have asked that before, John. No. My name's John Ryder. I'm a colleague. Hi, John. Um, John. I'm, I'm a member of the sale group, and uh, I'm here tonight because I came to celebrate with my friend Julie. Um, I met Julie uh, uh, at Area Center, great place to meet people and catch the service fever. Uh, and me and Julie, we serve on a, a, a committee down there. It's actually, it's an ad hoc committee, which is just formed for a specific cause, and it is dealing with uh, diversity and uh, unity within the, the area in AA as a whole. And um, Julie has been like that 
You know, like uh, it takes a boat uh, for a sailboat. It takes wind to make the boat go. <laughs> Julie has been the wind <laughs> that has been helping. She's been me going. Uh, she's 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 hands on, all in, boots to the ground, and uh, she she's focused. And uh, I, I just love her for that. Thank you, John. Uh, when she when she came aboard, first thing, okay, what can we do? What do you need me to do? And this is the first time I ever shared anything anywhere. So it's like I really don't know, but you know, together, <laughs> together we're gonna figure it out. We got one thing to do, and um, the efforts uh, from Julie and others on the committee, uh, we have come up with some very interesting comments as far as it deals with. You know, it's not just about on this committee. It's just not about uh, race and, and unity because acceptance go beyond race. Uh, just even with agnostics, uh, we're trying to bring about some tolerance to uh, for for the agnostic com community, for the atheist community, for the gay community. It don't matter, you know. We all got one common thing, and this is just that alcohol whooped our butts. <laughs> you know, that, that's why we're here. That, that's why I'm here. I'm out. I'm here because uh, John Barleycorn. Uh, <laughs> took me, took me in the corner and wore me out. And I don't want to box with John Barleycorn no more. <laughs> really, I don't. Him and his other friends. I fought with his friends too. But, uh, uh, I'm so glad that I landed in AA because had I had not landed in AA, I would still be one of those persons that Run around on my own idea, my own little clothes, mind on a whole lot. Uh, my eyes have been opened up, uh, become more tolerant, acceptable to people who's not like me. And, and, it, and it's okay today, especially when it deal with trying to, uh, share your experience, strength and hope with somebody else. Cause that's what it's all about. We just tell people, Hey, man, John Bartikorn had his way with me and this is, what I'm doing, so I won't climb back in the ring with you. And one day at a time, Julie, how many years, Julie? 30. 30 years, see there? And uh, someone else celebrated also. Who else was up? Marty. Three. Three years. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. My sobriety birthday is February 20th of 2009. So uh, almost nine years in. And I'm still scared to death of alcohol. Mm -hmm. As much as I love it, I am scared to death of it. Because that very next bright idea could have me on my back looking up with the ref counting. You're out. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. My name is Al B. I'm a great recovery alcoholic. I'm from the Cell Group also, and that's my sponsor. I'm so proud of him. And we're here to support a recovery alcoholic, and that's what we do. I, too, got out of the ring with the heavyweight champion. <laughs> October 24th, 1997. I'm truly grateful, and I'm grateful for anyone put their gloves away. <laughs> a guy asked me, how can you win the fight? I said, don't put the gloves on. And I haven't put the gloves on ever since. And I'm so grateful for being an alcoholic. I too 
he would be, he knocked me out every time, so I'm tired of getting knocked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love you all, and I'm glad to be here with that iPad. Thank you. Thank you. Greg. I'm Greg. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Greg. And I, just an announcements for those of you who are not on our uh, contact sheet and want to be, if you're going out of town, for example, see me after the meeting. You can have a contact sheet, or and I'll put you on it and email it around this time. We also had AA movie night coming up February 16th in this room. Bill W. the documentary uh, in this room. In this room, for this oh, day we may squat with the bigger mountain. <laughs> and then, uh, then our next one after that is 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. Uh, That's a good one. Love that one. And Steve Buscemi. Uh, anyway, February 16th here. Suggested donation five bucks. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Well, uh, it has been wonderful. Let's give them another round of applause. And with that, we are done.